Welcome to the Capital City Crew Podcast. Join your hosts Jeff, Owen, Josh, and Herman as they dive deep into the game of Malifaux. Explore sophisticated strategies and creative combinations, but always remember in Malifaux, bad things happen. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Capital City Crew podcast. Uh, I want to thank Kyle and uh, Brian from Scheme and Stones for giving us this nice little intro here. Um, as always, I am joined with uh, Owen, Josh, and Herman uh, of the Capital City Crew. We will be discussing the obliteration and martial keywords that we've received from Weird that they have so graciously given to us. Um, but first, I think uh, we wanted to talk about the Malifaux design space and how creative Weird has gotten with this and kind of wanted to hit on a couple of highlights of things that we liked in the direction that this game is going. Uh, Herman, what were your thoughts? I mean, it's something that I just kind of wanted to touch on as we have the ability to kind of go through these previews and we see the next set of releases that's coming out of the Weird, their next set of plans. I mean, I don't know about you all. I've been around gaming for way too long. And I've played War Machine. I've played 40K. I've played Fantasy, Guild Ball. And so many of those games, like after a while, you just you do start to feel the limits of what they're doing. It's just like, hey, it's another way of doing plus one stat. Hey, it's another way of rerolling dice. And I feel like Malifaux has been kind of unique for me across all these years and that they've really continued to up their creativity and you'll see that, like, in addition, like, they'll start and they'll kind of build the creativity. Then they'll have a new addition. They'll reset things. They'll prune them. They'll kind of clean it up. Then they'll build on that creativity immensely over the course of that new addition. Like, one of the examples was going into M2E with the upgrade cards. And look at how those have been used in so many different ways other than to just put a new ability on a model. You know, you have mutations. You have cycling. You have curses. You have so many different ways that they've been explored. And to have these new masters, these alternate versions, is kind of a new step on exploring what I feel like is this keyword system that they've brought into the game. And even within specific, specific archetypes of abilities or, or masters, they have been consistently finding weird, exciting new ways to implement them. You know, I've been playing Karai since first edition. And there have been four, now four iterations of Cry cards. They've all been summoners, and they've all done it a different way. Every single one has been its own weird and unique beast. I've been using weird a lot. I think it's just, well, I guess it comes with the territory. Um, and that, that uh, I don't know, approach has really been highlighted in the diversity of things they're doing with uh, these masters here, you know, all of these masters are sticking within the same conceptual framework and the same themes, uh, but are playing around with capabilities in in crazy and exciting ways. Um, and I think, like, to one of the things that was an issue in second edition by the end of it was model bloat, right? Like, too many things that like as a model making company, weird has to keep making models to make money. Right. It makes sense. Um, but I think making the decision to, yes, there are some new models with this, but most of the newness and the coolness of this comes from these master titles, which was a seed that they planted way back at the beginning of third edition with, uh, Lucius McCabe, um, and I think there's one other title. Um, was it Yanlo, maybe? Um, 
but anyway, there was another title model. Um, but by using the same masters and giving a different spin on them, I think it's a really smart choice to breathe new life into the game, add new models that they can sell while not expanding the, the total scope of the game rule space as much. Like it still makes it accessible. It's still in the case of today, an obliteration crew keyword or a martial keyword. And you now have choices of a new model and a new version of the master, but it it's a, a really creative way to both expand it without expanding it so much that it, it overdoes it. I think oh. you'll get some disagreement as whether or not this maintains the level of accessibility. Uh, now they've effectively doubled the number of masters and by extension, double the number of, of various crew builds uh, that become viable in different and exciting ways. Well, I think it does kind of add to that accessibility because if you're brand new, you pick up a keyword and with just swapping out that master, you get a completely different play style, which is going to be a lot of the focus when we talk about here where you, you know, you have a summoner and they're transitioning into something else or you have, you know, a marshal and they're transitioning into a super marshal. Yeah, but when you're playing against someone, you've now gone from being able to play against 50-some masters to 100. But, you know, there's a curve. I also think uh, there's a really good uh, design space here where we've seen now, uh, I guess it's, what, six or seven masters that have been spoiled over the last month and a half uh, that have come out, and we see these additional models that, fit in with two different keywords that are being introduced with them. And that additional model may not just be for the new ma- the new title masters. They may provide a massive bonus to the existing master that soups up their gameplay and makes them even more viable. Or if they weren't viable before, maybe they are now. And uh, there were some masters in the past that in tournament play, they became less viable because they had hard counters to them. Well, now some of those masters can be picked in high level play because you don't know who's coming and what title is being brought until after you pick your crew. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And just to recap for those who maybe have been sort of following this, but not following too closely yet. The The way the crew building mechanic works is you declare the keyword of your leader, and then the title is revealed during the crew building. So for example, if, if I'm building a lady, just a, a Marshall keyword, I declare Marshall as my leader's keyword. That means a lady justice is coming, but I don't know which lady justice is coming or my opponent doesn't know until I reveal my crew. So it, it does give your opponent information in that they know generally what kinds of models they are going to see. Um, if they have done some studying ahead of time, they may know what the two options they might face are, but it creates a, an ability to avoid the hard counter Um and also give you some flexibility if you realize that the keyword you're going against is bad for one of your two versions, you can audible into the other version. So it, it, it is it is good. It does definitely favor enfranchised players a little bit because they're going to be more attuned to like what the trade-off choices are. Um, but I think it does also reward players who maybe just want to specialize in a particular keyword because it makes them 
it makes soloing a keyword more viable when you have two flavors of that keyword to do. So it, it kind of helps both ends of the spectrum in terms of level of uh, experience with the game. Well, with that conversation being had, do we want to leap into the rules that we are sharing with people today? Yeah. So yeah, the big, the big reveal. And so, um, do, do we have a disclaimer about what we're saying here? All the opinions stated in this podcast are ours and ours alone and do not necessarily represent uh, opinions from weird. And we have no information about any fluff, any backstory, all the stuff we have, pure rampant speculation. Yes. No, that is is a really good, important disclaimer. And also the disclaimer on the cards that they are asterisked, uh, subject to change. Um, So we know from the past from having um, you know, been involved in some testing that they do sometimes make minor changes um, between... Oh, sometimes they make big changes. Or sometimes big changes. Again. Yeah, but, um, but just you know, heads up, there's some chance of change, but this is all us based on the cards that you will be seeing in the post that goes along with this podcast. So get those cards ready, get them in front of you, and we will be going through the rules and abilities in more detail than we typically do in our podcast, just because they are new. Uh, and those listening might not have them right in front of them. Um, so just a slight deviation from our format. Unlike our normal format, uh, you, most of the listeners that are listening right now have absolutely no experience with these and us reading off the card. You're probably going to be reading it with us. So uh, we will go through the abilities one by one, kind of give our thoughts and opinions uh, and also probably discuss this artwork because this artwork is badass. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. For all of you who have been sleeping with Lady Justice under your pillow for the last week. Yeah. So, so moving on, it looks like, we're going to go into Lady J first. Um, and the first thing that we have to talk about is our opinion on, on her art. Uh, let's Death go. touched. <laughs> Lady <laughs> Justice, death touched. Uh, Herman, your thoughts on her art? Uh, I mean, it kind of matches what you would expect when you look at her rules. And she gives off that very much the Death Marshal recruiter vibe, where it's a, it's a guy standing on a coffin, and you got a Lady J standing in a coffin, and you're taking out what I just assume will be future Owen with a sword. <laughs> I, I mean, death touch to me makes me think Leviticus. Um, so, you know, I, my, my head Ganon is that she's teamed up with him. I, I don't actually think that's the case, but. Um, well, but this yeah. art is so much better than the original three E lady justice art, much less escaped hospital patient and more, murder machine which is really what she, I was she's for. a lot more dynamic i like that she doesn't look like somebody else decided to cut off her hair with uh with a hatchet um <laughs> she she has somewhat of a long hair back but i think the death touched uh this is pure speculation here but the backstory for the marshals where they delved into necromantic energies in order to fight necromancers themselves but they were kind of touched by the necromantic energies where they were be- become a little bit corrupted by the energies they use. So maybe this lady justice is a little more corrupted than, you know, the previous versions. Uh, this lady justice is also on a 40, which is kind of sad 
that you can't just use the new awesome sculpt that I assume is going to come with this model. I, uh, I do just want to say I appreciate going bigger base sizes to avoid overhang, though. Like, it, being conscientious of it, that is so good. Just makes it less backwards compatible. You know, I have my first edition of Curio that I just plunk on a 50 uh, because I don't want to have to rebase it. Yeah, um, but we also avoid the Malosaurus Rex, whose <laughs> foot is on a base, and the rest of it is not. Uh, so I, I, I do appreciate the, uh, the the base size increase. Yeah, but but to be on the art, Herman, resident guild player, tell us how excited are you about this Lady Justice? I'm pretty excited. I think we should get to the rules so that way we can do, uh, I guess, a shallow dive on her. Yeah, you want to. Why don't you kick that off? All right. So let's pull these up here. Sorry. All right. So we've got Lady Justice, Death Touched. Uh, she is Master in Living with the keyword Marshal. Uh, the standard 15 cost for Master. Defense 6, Willpower 6, Movement 6, Size 2. Her abilities are above and below. Once per activation, after an enemy model is placed within 6 inches, it suffers 1 damage. Consecrated Ground. Friendly marshals may move through friendly coffin markers. Enemy models within one inch of a friendly coffin marker cannot heal and are treated as undead. Hard to wound, self-explanatory. Kytherian Sight. This model's actions do not require line of sight and can target enemy buried models ignoring range. Marshal's Coffin, once per activation. When a friendly marshal takes the pine box action, it may suffer one damage to create a coffin marker within one inch of itself and an enemy model. It may target that model with the action, ignoring range and line of sight. Finally, Regeneration 2. She has 11 wounds and is on a 40mm base. For her attack actions, she has Balanced Sword, the 1-inch melee range, Stat of 7, and Resisted on Defense. The target suffers 245 damage. It has a single Crow Trigger finality, Undead or Buried model only. When resolving, ignore any of the target's hard-to-kill, hard-to-wound, or demise abilities. Her next attack is Entropic Debt. It has a range 10. It is a ranged attack. Stat of 5 with a positive twist, resisted on willpower. The target suffers 2-3-4 damage, ignoring hard to kill. This action's damage flip receives a positive against Undead. It has two triggers. On a ram, it has focused cleansing. This model heals 2, MAN 1 condition on itself. On a mask, it has lead the hunt, Undead only. Target gains adversary marshal. Any one friendly marshal may push up to four inches towards the target, ignoring other models. Her next attack action is Equilibrium. It is range six, stat six, with a TN of 12. It is a shockwave one, targeting willpower 13 with a damage two. Friendly marshals ignore the effects of the shockwave and instead heal two. It comes with a single trigger on a crow, forced burial once per turn. Take the Ashwood Coffin action, targeting an enemy model within one inch of this action's shockwave marker, ignoring range. Unsurprisingly, her next attack action is Ashwood Coffin. It too is range six, stat three, targeting size. Enemy only. Create a 50 millimeter height two blocking, destructible, and impassable coffin marker in base contact with the target. The target will gain injured plus one and is buried. When it activates, it must attempt a TN 13 willpower duel. If it passes, unbury it into base contact with a friendly marshal within six inches of this model. Finally, she has a single tactical action, burial rights, range six inches. Once per turn, create a coffin marker within range. Friendly marshals within one inch of the created marker gain focused plus one. 
And that, my friends, is the new Lady Justice. I just want you all to have the unparalleled joy of experiencing the anti-undead FU that Lady Justice can bring to all crews now. Now, everyone yes. gets to be undead. Everyone gets to suffer like I have suffered for three editions. Uh, she is zombie Oprah. <laughs> You're a zombie. And you get a coffin. And you get a coffin. And I know. Zombie Oprah. Everyone gets to be undead. Yeah. Um, it is pretty and gross. There are some things... There are some things in here that don't jump out to you uh, and immediately. Uh, the first one is the consecrated ground, where if you're next to a coffin marker, you can't heal, which is massive. Uh, so and you, dirty. <laughs> and you are treated as undead. So all of those nifty things that said undead or buried model only, or this damage flip gains a plus against undead. She makes you undead, and that is a pain in the butt. Uh, so, and then the staggering amount of coffin markers that this crew now puts out is ridiculous. I'll say this Lady Justice manages martial keyword synergy uh, orders of magnitude more than the previous iteration. The previous iteration of Lady Justice, Lady Justice 1, uh, was sort of just a missile you could fire at people or a really top-tier scheme runner, but she didn't really interact with her own crew that much other than maybe purging conditions. But, oh my god, this Lady Justice. So much interaction. And so, yeah, so talk to me about that, because I didn't, I never played a lot of, or against a lot of Marshall really at all in 3rd edition. Um, coffin markers are totally new, right? That's a completely new no. marker type? Coffin markers? Yes and no. They are in, um... Resers, but they're new okay. for guild. And okay. what this kind of brings that's very new for guild is this type of terrain control, like you see with Zip, like you see with Euripides with Rasputina, yep. um, or like you see with the coffin markers and resers from their emissary. But it is a very new play style to guild, and it's something I very much appreciate that really differentiates her from the other Lady Justice who basically leapt and did upwards of, what, seven attacks a turn? Sorry, I want to throw in there. Uh, it's not like Euripides and a lot of these others because she cranks it up to 11 because a consecrated ground, all of her marshals, if you're playing within keyword, can ignore the friendly coffin markers for uh, movements. Like so, However, they do not ignore it for line of sight, which is very important. It is, but uh, uh, the, there's a big distinction there because Euripides can block himself in really easily. Lady Justice doesn't have to worry about that. I mean, there's give and take there. I mean, certainly Euripides needs a little bit of movement help. But I feel like there's there's definitely some subtleties here. Um, and so some of the things that you really need to, like, everyone looks at this and they're like, oh, my God, you're going to be burying my models. You have all this. I mean, just the range extension on charges for death marshals is way crazy. Because now you're, you know, you're moving your five, then you get the one inch, then you get the coffin marker, then you get another one inch. So you've got like nine inch charge ranges all over the place happening right there. But something that you really need to keep in mind when you're looking at her, when you're starting to play her, when you're designing lists, these are all very low range attacks. Her attacks are range six other than the gun, which, you know, it's a fun little gun. Um, but you need to get her close and getting her close 
requires efficiency, it requires planning. And that's where the most difficult decisions you're going to make with your crew, I really feel like are on turn one when it comes to how are you going to unpack? How are you going to build your crew with abilities to move models around? And I think that's what's going to trip up a lot of people and why she has kind of a higher skill floor than Lady Justice 1. Yeah, but I feel her her lists, even if they are more complicated to build, you, you always have Pale Rider to just fling her six inches up the board, turn one, no problem. Well, um, I mean, the thing is, is you like you have the Pale Taxi, which is awesome. Uh, he's not a marshal, though, so he's not getting the focus. He's not getting some of the benefits. Uh, but you can also start looking at things like you have your Death Marshal Recruiter. He pushes you towards an undead model. The Pale Rider's undead. So now you have... The Pill Rider, he brings, he taxis Lady Justice up. The Recruiter now pushes all of your other guys three inches towards the Pill Rider. So that's your unpacking plan. You can bring in Grimwell so he can move her with a Doctor's Orders. But you need to have these models. You need to have thought about it ahead of time. And just to clarify what I meant with the uh, Charge 9 on the Marshals, is that that's their threat range on their melee with the Coffins. So they're Speed 5. Then you can drop the Coffin within an inch of yourself. Then you've got a two-inch size coffin, or roughly whatever the heck 50 millimeters is, then another inch on the other side of that coffin. So that's how you're getting kind of that nine-inch threat range with them. It's not a real nine-inch threat range, though, because they can only make one attack at that distance. Right. And I mean, the thing that you can kind of do with them that's a little cute is, let's say you get that off and you bury it. It's a really nice thing on their cost, because size two, most of the models in the game are size two. So you're not dealing with, like, the minus one stat. Like, you know, a defense, uh, stat five against defense six, which is a very common thing. But what you get to do with it is you bury them. Then you also get to control where they pop out. So they pop out, they become undead next to you. You gain fast next to them. So you can really do a lot of board control and you can really gain a lot of efficiency. The other thing is anytime they bury someone, they heal. So that one damage that you take to create the coffin marker gets healed off. So you have that option as well. I, I think what you're getting at here is that this Lady Justice makes Death Marshals not sad to play. <laughs> they they just were never a model I felt people were very excited to play. You know, zero inch reach on their, their iconic pine box. Uh, that too that you have to be in base contact with. So if you bury one person and you're not managed to be in base contact with another person, then you only get that one attack on the charge. It's just they had a lot of fiddly stuff and no one seemed really happy about them. But Marshall's Coffin, that in and of itself, just makes them so much more versatile. You can charge into base contact. You don't have to use that full nine-inch range. You can charge into base contact with someone. If you land the box on them, then you just... Marshall's coffin on the second attack and you can hit something that's way farther away than what normally require extremely fiddly positioning to end up a, end a push in base contact with two enemy models. That's doable, but it's not casually doable. With this, you're, you effectively can have their second attack have three inch reach for the cost of one damage, which you might just get to heal back up for free if you land that uh, pine box on them. Not to mention they're hard to kill. And I think one of the things that you really want to highlight is kind of a two-parter on this, is when you're building your crew and you're looking at your opponent, this is a fantastic way to get shit like Montresor off the table. To get Jakuna out of your hair. You know, those toxic bubble crews, you can take that model and you can, you can I'm going to deal with this later. You know, I'm going to put him on the shelf. He's going to go away. I don't want to look at him right now. 
But the other thing is when you're building the screw, I feel like is a little bit of a trap is taking a bunch of models with the express goal of hitting those buried models. Because what you end up doing is when you got like a death march recruiter, rather than moving forward and getting up the table and getting some board control and accomplishing your strats and schemes, he's just kind of standing there attacking buried models. You can, you can charge and attack buried models. Okay, that's a very good point. You can do that. So touche on very good touche. But, you, on that. but your your point though, you don't just want to stand in that because her base crew, you're right, is not particularly mobile except for like the lone marshal who is absurdly mobile. Right. And so when you're looking at kind of comparing and contrasting her to Lady Justice One, on uh, what am I looking for, which one do I want? I would look at like Lady Justice One as kind of being your far away justice your symbols of authority justice, your I got across the table justice, because she has leap. You have the lone marshal, you have the pill rider, you have these tools to get across the table. This one is more your ley line, your, was it, breakthrough, break the line, where things are going to be on the midline. You're able to put down these coffins, you're able to control your opponent's actions, your opponent's placement, and you're able to kind of bully that center field. I also think uh, that we're, we, we kind of briefly mentioned Kytheran's sight where, uh, you know, she doesn't require line of sight for her actions and can target enemy buried models, ignoring range. But that's a throwback to Terra. Like, I'm not saying that you're going to take a lot of death marshals here, but it makes a death marshal. Their pine box is absolutely uh, terrifying to people now because not only do you have to worry about like, hey, this model's buried, but in the past it was like, all right, my model's buried. I don't really care. It's going to come back out later. Now when it's buried, that means Lady Justice can hit it no matter where she is on the board. She can move while hitting it with the charge and her move six. Like She can accomplish what she's wanting to do while also beating the heck out of your models. And that's like Terra strategy right there. Uh, and you're not going to bring a whole bunch of Death Marshals, but you know they're not a joke pick anymore. They are legitimately uh, a pick that you can bring in, and people have to respect that pine box. And there's also multiple models with stat three uh, versions of Pine Box. Death Marshal Recruiter, stat three Pine Box. Uh, Ashwood Coffin, which you can get two per turn uh, from Lady Justice, is stat three Pine Box. It is better than Pine Box. Instead of giving distracted, it gives injured. And now they're minus one defense versus your stat seven sword that you can use against them. I'm so happy that she's finally stat seven. Yeah, she, yeah. she did not need to be stat seven uh, for version one. When she no, had it, she did not. three, four, five crit strike positive flips. And, uh, and a crew with Domidors giving out injured and herself was that she's got decay to give out injured. No, nah, yeah, it's, 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 it's totally kind of nice. The- yeah. Now, now that you have a, a reliable burying crew in this one, uh, judge gets uh, uh, undead. Uh, the fact that you can turn things undead means judge is nastier. The fact that you can casually bury things means jury is nastier. Uh, the fact that everything's undead means domidors are nastier. All of her crew just got nastier uh, just by virtue of her existence. And the trade-off is you don't have a seven damage murder engine uh, in your crew anymore. So bitter with the sweet, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you look at let's say just the baseline, right? Like she's plus one defense, minus one willpower, plus one move, minus one wound, plus regen two. Like, I think she came out ahead in terms of the stat line game and the survivability game. Like, she still has hard to wound, which uh, Lady J1 has. So, like, this Lady J is definitely going to be a bit tougher to take off the table. Um, 
she might not spike damage as hard, but stat seven means it's just slightly more reliable on your melee hit. And it's kind of interesting is it puts her in a very odd spot for me where I don't know if I want to leadline sock her or not. Yeah. Because armor one with regen two and hard to wound is super aggravating. And she is playing within six inches of your opponent's crew, but she's not really in the brawl. She's kind of on the edge of the brawl. And I kind of feel like I can put leadline code on other models that I care about a little bit more. I I agree. She can play like she has to be within six inches or six inches ish, but can be just behind a wall. She could, she doesn't need line of sight to anything that she's doing. Uh, Oh, it's better than that because fuck you, Ivan. She doesn't uh, have to deal with concealment either. Well, I was gonna say—that's what I was gonna hit on earlier. Correct me if I'm wrong, but because she ignores line of sight, she ignores both concealment and cover because with her uh, gun ranged action, because no sight lines are drawn, except from They're, things like yeah. uh, sputtering exhaust or night terrors stuff that has a aura of this model has concealment. Yeah, right. like she, she ignores it from terrain. She ignores it from correct. Terrain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can put her just out of line of sight of everyone. That they're they're right there is her defensive tech, not being targetable. Uh, it's pretty good defensive tech, to be honest. And that's that's something I really appreciate. Where I don't have to take lead line suck. I don't want to have to oh. do this to you guys every single game. I mean, you you could just not it. do it's just it. Not on her. Yeah, it's going to be on your lone marshal, and it's probably going to be on your death marshal recruiter, or or maybe your judge. It's just, just going to get a maybe. different model. Just Maybe. don't take it. Rider. Just don't take it, <laughs> now, Herman. You don't need it. Now, so you're gonna, as a resident guild player, Herman, you're going to have to explain something to me. How is it that going blind makes it to where your bullets magically go around buildings or through them and hit things? Like, how exactly does that work? No, no, you have to understand. Well, it's uh, Entropic Debt. It's one of those debt collection phone calls. She's just ringing you up on the cell phone. Yeah, she's she, essentially a telemarketer. You can just we, drop the katana and give her like a cell phone. So she's been it. trying to reach me about my uh, car's warranty. Yeah, no, she yeah. already did, and she decided to put you in a pine box because of it. I mean, obviously, the biggest miss is that she can't take the Groot slang. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest um, miss is all of the anti undead tech because screw everything about this crew. So literally, there's actually about there's actually crew. something that's really cute that I did want to touch on is who loves her totem. No one. Who's Everyone your totem? Exactly. You don't even know what her totem it's is. It's the skills of justice. But the cute thing with it is that it's got a anti-cheating aura. And so it can uh, make you discard to cheat. It can make you do damage to cheat. And so when she pops you out, she can pop you out into all of its little cheating bubbles to make you pay for killing it. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's got a little trigger where if you do damage to it, it does damage back to you. If you you know get unlucky and you got to cheat something else, well, then you're going to take a little bit of pain, and then I get to draw a card when you inevitably kill my useless totem. So she actually is revitalizing a model that we all hate. And mm. we didn't even touch on the fact that she has a six-inch range pulse one of all friendly marshals get focused. There, there's no... It's, it's amazing. There's She's no so good it. and so varied that you don't even get to that one. It's it's like I thought I thought we were done with this. I I guess they did key it to the Marshall keyword. It's not 
black budget. It's not blasphemous ritual level of complete and utter bullshit. Hey, but you need a corpse marker for that. Up there. It's pretty well, no, high they, up they made there. it. It's once a turn. It's not Mama uh, Ma Tucket. Yeah. No, it's not pre of Bartucket. When it's uh, one they, inch, they've at least learned some lessons. In in your creating the you're creating that coffin marker, so you can't put it on models or like in terrain or on top of other markers. So like it is a fifty that you're trying to figure out how to optimally place to pulse focus. So like it's it's not and, and you're going to have like okay. a little back and forth there because you're like, do I put it forward to block line of yeah. sight to protect me from, let's say, Nerf Leviticus? Or do I hold it back to buff my own guys? There, there are limits to what you can do with this marker sculpting, marker creation, particularly in the early game. That's why I feel like you have to zero in on your turn one and have a plan for your turn one. And after that, everything kind of flows pretty easily. The amount of sustain that this crew can pull off, I think, is just between Domidor's healing all friendly models and equilibrium well, healing Lady J all healing, friendly models. And- the heart to wound, the um, whenever you kill something, you heal too. Like, there's a re- Marshall was already a popular keyword in Guild for a reason. And this is just going to make it a much more fun play experience for the Guild player. That's never the goal. No, yeah, we can't have that. No, no fun. No, we have. Cool, we gotta, we gotta get this card fixed before it goes to print. Yeah, seriously, guys. And you know, there's something that uh, we just above and below. We haven't talked about it, but that when an enemy is placed within six, it suffers one damage. Obviously, there's the 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 pine box, the ashwood coffins. When they unbury, they take the damage. But man. All of the things that place these days uh, between anything that flies near Lady Justice, anything that's summoned near Lady Justice, like it's instantly like, hey, just take a damage because you're around me. As well, you should. Yeah. yeah. Okay. More, more screw you to summoners and uh, transmortis and. Thank God Marshall wasn't already like saying screw you to summoners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel personally attacked. I mean, to be fair. As a hater, to be fair. As, as someone who all of their t- their top most hated models are resers, uh, I'm not opposed to anti resers stuff in the world. Suck it, Manos. Yes, suck yeah, it, seriously. Manos. <laughs> Get wrecked, <laughs> Manos. <laughs> uh, all right, but yeah. So speaking of undead, though, uh, is it time to move on to our favorite undead model? No, I could what? talk about Lady J all, all day, but yes, no. we can. Wait, no. we're we're moving on to Nicodem? No. He oh, he's back. Oh, that was a plot twist. He's back. That that would be a much more dramatic reveal. We did not get a reveal anywhere near that dramatic. We yeah. got dramatic oh, reveals, Mar- Marshall and shit. Nicodem are like diametrically opposed. It's, they it's beautiful. Are. Man, they the, are, the, but... the dual faction model between those two or the would be Chef's Kiss. But I'm kind of hoping it'd just be Mortimer. All right, all right. Owen, take us away with Tara. Uh, Do you want a break, or are we going to keep going? Yeah, we can take a break real quick. A break would be nice. And we will be right back. Hello. Do you like our podcast and want to ensure that it continues to run? Maybe you want to hear our outtakes on unedited footage. 
or perhaps you're just flush with cash and you like being generous. Either way, we've set up a Patreon just for you. If you like us, please consider donating. Our Patreon can be located in the show notes. If not, we're all pretty sure that it's Herman's fault. Either way, if you like our show, go ahead and leave us a comment. Thanks. Welcome back. Uh, we are here talking about, you know, the new masters that uh, we were gifted a sneak peek of. Uh, we've already spoken about Lady Justice, and now I think we're going to head over into at least one of our favorite undead masters, uh, Tara. Owen, why don't you tell us about Tara? Yes. Oh, man. Let me, let's talk about my favorite master and outcasts, the best faction in Malfo, Tara. So, um, so we have this awesome reveal of Terra Timeless, um, who is the brand new obliteration, uh, master. And I'm super stoked because Terra one was awesome. And Terra two is also awesome just in different ways. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about what is new and exciting. Um, do we want me to, first we we have to, Get to the, oh, sorry, the, the elephant the in the art, room. The art, yes. Yeah, like, you're skipping what is this seriously artwork? important thing. This is okay, right, literally, so. literally three terrors in a trench coat. How is this even going to work on a base? It's true. Yes, I am. I'm very curious because I I don't actually know how this can be turned into a real world model. Um, I, my spec. So my and, money and not, and with not a thirty millimeter base. Yeah, so my money is going to be on just it's it's one Terra with no ghosty Terras. Um, so I'm actually I'm going to disagree with you okay. because I used to think that of so many artwork that they put out, all of their models have almost perfectly matched their artwork, like to the T. So is it's it going to be, be like three Terras? Three trench terras? It doesn't make any sense. Like, how would that work? That's I, why I, I was saying, like, go back to the Warcry, where they had kind of the shadow people, and you kind of see, like, the thing moving in air with, like, the different little shadow trails following it. We'll have That's to remember to put this for. on the uh, the post, the, that art you're talking about, so people can see the models with the shadow trails. I don't know if they're good. I, I looked let, at them, and they were like, eh. Let's but. not put other, uh, mo- other companies' models up with this post. That's a bad uh, idea. It's art. I, and I want to apologize to all of the readers while you're looking at this artwork or all of the listeners while you're looking at this art artwork right now. And me saying this, you're not going to be able to get this out of your head. It looks like Tara's having a Congo line with herself. It kind of is. Yeah. yeah. It's like three <laughs> Terras in a row. Uh, and they're all, they're all hanging out. Like, like it's super cool. I just don't know how it's going to work in physical reality. Uh, but I'm Jeff, excited. Why to would see. you ruin this? Why would you I'm ruin sorry. this for me? I'm sorry, but you're never going to be able to get that because obviously the thought process is she's running and her claw is coming up as she's running. But unfortunately, it looks like the second Terra is holding on to the first Terra's waist and they're just kind of like, dun, 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 dun. So I apologize to everybody, but that uh, this model is going to look awesome. And it was the thing that we thought looked the coolest. But <laughs> sorry, my bad. I actually, what I want is someone to pick up the translucent Terras and use them with this new Terra. Yeah, like I think that would be really cool looking. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, like a painted one and then a completely translucent one behind her. Um, also, like can I just use this opportunity to say, hey, weird, can we please, please make 
a transparent void hunter set that that would be really great no 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 no, no. I, I want that i, I, I don't have want to see transparent guys except for void hunters and i want the whole transparent set that's what i want um that's what i'd like for christmas we have uh, you know you we have, have time. transparent we have the couple no till christmas talus isn't transparent he's a giant robot uh which is fine yeah the only thing here that's transparent is your greed yeah well i mean my greed honestly i will it's like reverse greed though like i will pay dollars top dollars for (laughs) transparent anyways sorry we're getting way off topic the art is cool stat line okay curious yeah so let's talk about the stat line okay so rules so right at the top of the bat here right we are we are plus one defense plus one move minus one health uh so it's defense six willpower six move six size two still uh 30 millimeter base with 11 wounds um so it's it's similar uh slightly you know slightly better defense slightly better move very good minus one health not a huge deal gains regen two so like that's pretty awesome uh we'll see why the regen two is important in a minute when we go through the abilities um but i think overall a slight boost to core stalin um in terms of abilities she's got three things from the base terra and the keyword that stick around um so that is the beyond time which lets her attack buried models uh, the from nothing, which buries her uh, when people uh, do stutter time against her, uh, and the stutter time ability, which is all about burying other friendly models with from nothing or giving enemy models fast. So those things are all the same. Everything else is different. Uh, from the from the top, I'll just I'll just spoil the top line here. No summoning. I'll repeat that again. No summoning. It's a big change. We've gone from a summoning model. I know. Yeah. So we've gone from a summoning model to a not summoning model. So that's a, that's a pretty significant change. Uh, Looking at the front of her card, right? So we talked about the stat line. Uh, She got regen two. Uh, She gains butterfly jump, uh, which is funny because butterfly jump is the one ability that I hate the most in all Malfo. And now it's on my favorite model. So I don't know know what to do about this. I'm so conflicted. Um, But I guess, uh, you know, learn to love the thing you hate, I guess. Um, But yeah, so that comes in. Uh, The other, the new new, new ability is lost in the moment. When an enemy model within six or buried would activate, this model may suffer one irreducible damage and end one condition on that enemy model to instead have the opposing player pass that activation as though it had used a pass token. So this is in some ways similar to Aeonis's ability that lets you force your opponent to pass. Uh, but it comes with the added bonus of being offensive condition removal, which is pretty sweet. Uh, this does is useful in a couple scenarios. One, if you've given an enemy model fast, for fun and profit for some other ability, you can be like, no, JK, you don't get fast and you're going to skip your activation. Or if they're an enemy model, like say uh, the fire golem or someone who wants to have a high 
number of a particular condition like burning or poison or, or something that they get benefits from, you can remove that condition. So you just be like, no, all your burning is gone. Or like, oh, your your poison nine is gone. Um, so that's pretty cool. Why, and, why, why do you have to specifically call out the fire, fire golem? What's uh, up with that? I don't know. It's it's almost like we you played some, what you did. some practice games uh, and, uh, and Sandeep did bad things. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty cool on the front of her card. Looking pretty interesting. Let's go to the back of her card. Back of her card, still 30 millimeter. Um, she still has a, a claw. So she's got a melee attack. It's the obliterations claw. Uh, I'm looking up original Terra to compare it, but it is range one stat six. Uh, she gets to choose whether it's defense or willpower and does two, three, five damage. Um, and then it has a single crow trigger, not built in called drag through time. Enemy only target gains this model's choice of either fast or slow. So that's pretty sweet. Um, gives you some options, does some damage. Um, but now we get into the bread and butter, the attack action rewind. So this is going to be a lot. So, so paid close attention range 10 stat six Ram resisted by willpower target number 12. So you're going to drop an echo marker into base contact with the target. Then after any activation, if the target is not buried, this model may place it into base contact with the dropped marker and the target must either suffer one damage or remove the echo marker. Then during the start phase, remove all echo markers. Uh, and then it has three possible triggers uh, on a mask. It is alternate timeline or uh, when resolving, drop the echo marker anywhere within four inches of the target. Crow, burnout, which is suffer two damage to gain fast, or the built-in ram of mend, target heals two. Um, then we've got stutter time, which is uh, a standard ability in the obliteration keyword. It comes with fleeting moments, which is a new trigger, which says on crow, gain two pass tokens. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, and then a built-in glimpse the void, trigger on this. Uh, and then finally, we have one new tactical action, which is a new ability called Expedite. Range 10, stat 7, target number 13. Friendly obliteration only. This, act, this action cannot target the same model more than once per activation. If the target is buried, it may unbury anywhere within 6 inches and gain slow. Then the target may gain a general may take a general or claw action. So this is sort of like a pseudo obey for obliteration models only with a possible option to, uh, to unbury them. So it's take a general action, so walk, a charge, interact, etc., or take a claw action. Um, so yeah, so that is the general overview of things that she does. So let's talk about what that means. You will see the, as I mentioned at the top, no summoning. That is a pretty, pretty big difference compared to the baseline Terra. Um, 
But instead of having summoning, she does even more of the tempo play style. Um, and so what, what does tempo mean? So tempo is a term that is used often in Magic the Gathering, um, some other games that is all about being able to manipulate what, like when your things happen, when opponents' things happen, uh, and, and alter the board state. Um, the rewind ability to move models and the expedite action to obey models is really going to be your bread and butter, at least from the initial play testing that we did after getting these models. Um, and just like thinking about Tara and, and you know, how she works. Like those are really going to be the key things here is you're going to have the ability to move your own models around, uh, move enemy models around and be able to use your actions to feed them into your other strong pieces to do cool stuff. So let me pause right there for a second and get reactions from the rest of y'all. Lost moments is a weird power. A lot of the talk about, you know, high level Malifaux play is about activation control and going for that last activation. And this sort of works against that. Uh, but in exchange, you're forcing your opponent to not activate their important models uh, when they want to activate them very Pandora-esque. Uh, and the Pandora version is really strong and super annoying to have to deal with. So uh, Lost Moments definitely is probably slightly fiddlier version of that. Um, well, to actually kind of piggyback off your point, though, now you have Ionis generating pass tokens, you have her generating pass tokens. So it actually leans kind of stronger into that that particular skill set that you're talking about here for high-level play. Yeah. It's, this might make Ionis more valuable than he was since his nerf taking away. So Fleeting Moments isn't actually a new trigger. It's on Ionis. Um, but they it's no longer built in on his severed timeline, which made for sad pandas all around. Um, so it might... Increase it's, it's not this built in actually, here either, but it's still yeah. you have more access to it for sure. Yep. Uh, this might make I this like Terra in general, this form might make Ionis more viable, uh, as an offensive burying crew. But I don't have as much experience with running a, an offensive burying crew. Uh, I will say that the lost in the moment, uh, ability. Uh, it does come in handy, particularly if something doesn't go the way that you were planning, and there is a, or even if it went the way you planned. If there's a model that you've given fast that you weren't able to take out, it now allows you to skip that model and get another round of attacks in. Uh, so putting it on like putting fast on a, usually you want to do this on like a high level uh, high soulstone beater. You give it fast, so some of your guys have bonuses to hit it. But if you don't manage to take it out, you get that second go around of like, no, 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 you don't get to activate him now and use that fast to kill me. Now I get to second try and I get to kill you this time. I learned that firsthand when Owen did it to me. Uh, I was like, hold on, you're going to leave uh, Banasuva alive with fast next to your guys? That's a horrible idea. Oh, wait, now he's not fast and he dies. Okay, that's cool. Yep, yep, you better believe it. So the thing, so when I initially read this, I was like, oh, man can you be super cute and somehow just like go with your entire crew first? 
Uh, the answer is maybe in like magical Christmas land where everything is set up perfectly, but more likely it's going to mean cases like that where you like stack their beater with fast and make it skip an activation. Um, so you can keep hitting it. The fun thing you can do though, is since every keyword model minus Talos can give out fast, potentially you could keep making it skip its activation and keep trying to kill it. Um, ideally you're going to be doing this though in an order where you do actually kill that target and don't just spend your whole turn, like having everyone take a swing, but that is an option. Uh, if you can get there, um, to me, the like the things that really stand out. So, all right, what are we giving up in this Terra? Three things. The things we're giving up are summoning, the teleport, and the ability to have five AP instead of three AP uh, spread out over two separate activations. So those are three super good things about base Terra. What are you getting instead? Well, you're getting slightly better stats, uh, slightly better defense and the ability to move your own crew and your enemy's crew around in really annoying and powerful ways. So the rewind ability, um, does some really cool stuff, which is definitely finesse play though. Um, so you may have heard from like way back in the day before we started this podcast, I did a podcast about Terra for, um, for Craig's podcast, the third Field wars where we talked with Cody about the play style of using the nothing beast where you like play the shell game of like, he runs in, he attacks stuff. Then you summon something else in and then you bury the nothing beast. And then the, the opponent, the only thing they have, to attack is like a random void wretch with the rewind. You potentially have that ability as well. If you have terrain like a house or, or something other impassable, you can use your models who are incorporeal. You can put an echo marker on them in a safe place, have them charge through that impassable terrain, go fight something and then teleport back to safety in sort of a like jump out, punch things, and then pop back to safety type approach. Um, it also allows you to potentially get extra movement. Maybe before it activates, you just place it in base with that echo marker, or you move that echo marker four inches forward, then you place it in base of that echo marker. You've just gotten like, five plus its base size movement out of a model like that's potentially huge or you put it on an enemy model where you're like that enemy model that thinks it's going to escape no it's going to come back uh right back to the middle of your crew um and then the expedite lets you move your own models forward it lets you do interacts it lets you do charges it lets you emergency unbury your guys if you need to like it just opens up a lot of utility play style around the Barry shell game um, that I think is is very cool and is in the same like genre in vein of the base Terra, but is a little bit different. And and I think that like for this weird really nailed it of it's the same 
gist. It's the same universe of play style, but it's a different flavor, um, which I think is, is like a good example of success in the keyword title system. Uh, it also opens up the – we've always had the Terra Bomb uh, where you could bomb in the Nothing Beast and things like that. But this also brings in – because Terra can herself do this and then unbury the model along with it and force it to attack. So you could have uh, Terra uh, – you could bury Terra because she uh, with a stutter time. You can bury the Nothing Beast with a stutter time. And then you can have uh, a Void Wretch – run across the board, put fast onto something. And then when Terra activates, she drops into base contact with it. She pulls out another, the nothing beast with her expedite. It gets to make an attack. She continues her activation. And now you have a nothing beast and a master standing next to, you know, potentially a scheme runner that ran out on the flanks and she can reposition her crew really easily using these abilities. And this, would be really, really strong, almost a little too strong if it didn't also include that when they come unburied, they gain slow, which is the downside to it. But I think that kind of balances things out a little. I think this just gives her a whole bunch of different angles of attack. You can do the expedite to throw the throw a buried model up the board. You can rewind to either alternate timeline to move them up the board five inches to give them fast. Which you know, it's it's burnout on an attack. So you're nothing beast. Your vo- your incorporeal models are all going to be taking one damage instead of two, which is pretty sweet. Um, and then have them charge up the board, attack, and bounce right back. Uh, you could you could do even some weirder stuff where you use rewind on the model to put out the echo marker near your backfield or in a safe location have another model subsequently set her time to bury it, uh, unbury it next to a fast thing, have it attack, and at, then at the end of its activation, bounce back to the echo marker. There's a lot of just weird permutations you can do to create strange angles of attack uh, it, with combinations of stutter time, rewind, and expedite. And I think that's kind of, like that feeds into this whole thing of you are coming to Terra, you buy the basic Terra, and then this gives you another Terra to grow into. This Terra is harder to play than Terra 1. But you have this pathway now as a player to grow into from a master with kind of, not a lower skill floor, but you know a lower skill floor relative to her other version. So I, I really appreciate that. And it's not just a play style difference, but it's actually giving people like steps to go through as they you know start in this game. And I'm going to throw in here, this is not a easy-to-kill Terra, particularly if you're playing a melee crew. Between Butterfly Jump, her regeneration, and having just a stat 6 across the board, like she is fairly, fairly hardy. She can get in there and use these abilities and Butterfly Jump away, moving you know the whole time. It, it's, she's not going to go down easily. Throw in the Soul Stones with it, and, like she's pretty good she can i mean i'm not saying that she's going to be a melee monster but she's not shy about getting into the melee yeah although so and i i definitely reserve reserve the right to uh to change my opinion after more playthroughs because we've only gotten to play a couple games with this version but uh i i think the sweet spot is going to be melee sometimes mostly helping move your own crew around and then maybe getting yourself buried and unburied in order to move. Um, but we shall see. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about like, so when do you use which Terra? Um, so from what I, my initial thoughts right on this are that this Terra is better, much like with Lady J, this Terra is better for the midfield. Uh, and Terra one is better for the d- distance uh, strats and schemes. It's like Terra one, very good in symbols with your teleport, uh, your extra AP, like she is actually a fantastic scheme runner and mission runner uh, with the ability to summon. Like that's all that's all super good. This Terra, very strong into things like uh, ley lines. So corrupted ley lines, the big thing is like, can you make sure both your model stays in place? So it, it dot like you want to avoid lures and other movement effects. And can you mess with an opponent's model to move them off their marker? Well, rewind being an attack action can do both. You can target your enemy model who's carrying the lodestone. And cause you control when it gets moved, you can just wait till Ooh, the last place. activation. It is, it, it's a place. Yeah. And it's a place. You can't place you can't oh, no. place them because you, you have the load zone. Oh, true. True, true, true. Yep. I, I, I do have a segment here. So what you're saying is that Terra 1 is going for distance and Terra 2 is going for speed, but she's all alone in her time of need? Yeah. No, yeah. no, go, no. Get out. Get I out. do love the distance. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, other fun... But, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, the... Well, you can't use rewind to move the lodestone carrier itself. What you can do is prevent them from having a ball carrier that moves up to it to accept a pass. If they're going, rather than walking up themselves, if they're planning on handing it off, uh, you can ha- target that model that has been is is in position to receive the ball and move them out of the way. Oh well, no, no, they receive. So you- you can do it. It you can totally do it because what happens is if the model would be removed, you just throw the it throws the lodestone to someone else. So if you do it to an enemy who's sitting next to the to the uh, symbol, it still works. It just moves the lodestone to someone else. Oh, that, that's for berries, not for the place. Yeah, you just can't place a model with a lodestone. That's um, how Lady J does it. Boom. Yeah, but one thing that we're missing with this rewind ability is it does not specify non-master. So one of the things that you can do is if you know you've got a zip or somebody that's going to be moving around or somebody that's fast, like, all right, well, your activation ended and you are right back where you were. Congratulations. So like things like that will be fun. It's true. You tag and rewind and they cannot escape. So Once. something... Something that's kind of meta that keeps, I feel like, showing up is different markers. And you kind of notice that coming around where you had, like, the first one, I believe, was a Sonya 2 released with the Pyre markers, Lady J2 with the Coffin markers, Terra with the Echo markers, and then models that, you know, remove markers like the Guild Mage. And one of the things is that we've gone from 2 to 3 is we had seen kind of that reduction in conditions. Are markers kind of turning into the M3E version of conditions from M2E? 
kinda. Maybe. But less of a problem because they go they more often than not go away on their own. And a lot of them don't do much. Sorry. I think one of the things that this thing's gonna really help you out with is uh I don't remember the name of it, the Death Dick Graves Deathbeds, thank you. Yeah. Where you're like all right, that model comes back here. It's now next to a corpse or whatever marker, scheme marker, and my echo marker, and I kill it, and I get death bets. Woo! Yay, everybody's happy. Echo markers seem specifically designed to enable that because they're removed at the start phase, not yeah. the there, end phase. One, just one note of caution to people who are like, oh, sweet, this is just an easy death beds. If you use it on an enemy model, the model gets to choose whether it suffers damage or removes the echo marker so almost always the enemy is just gonna be like cool move me and then remove the echo marker so you can't you have to be careful about using the echo marker as your target marker for the deathbeds um you could use it though as the deathbeds marker if you just drop it next to an enemy and also a scheme marker like you have the option to create a target marker um, similarly, it's good for research mission because you can just create a new marker type somewhere. Um, I think uh, but a word, a word of caution you. to everyone doing deathbeds is there is no easy deathbeds. Yeah, no, for sure. Oh, there's, there's, lo- no, there's lots of easy deathbeds. Uh, they're called pyre markers and you kill them in them. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing though, that it does enable is detonate charges. So you could use rewind to move an enemy model potentially up to like six inches from its position into a spot where you've already set up the ski markers. And it doesn't matter if they remove the echo marker because they're just in the death, like in that detonate target zone. Um, I guess that also works for like take prisoner. Uh, You can disrupt uh anything that has to do with like the center of the board, like you can really mess with other people's schemes and put people where you need them to be. Uh, so that like, it opens up a lot of movement shenanigans um, is, is the big thing. I do want to point out one thing that she has opened up. Uh, hold on a second. I'm pulling up the, the scheme, the one it's really hard to get right now um, where you have to have, one of their models past the line of past the middle line bait and, and, switch. Bait bait and switch. switch there we go so at the end of the turn if the chosen model is on your table half at least four inches from the center line what you can do is you can get the uh mask trigger as the last activation if they're anywhere near the middle line you use it use the mask trigger where you place the echo marker anywhere within four inches of the target. And at the end of her turn, you place that target in base contact with the marker. So you're going to have roughly about five ish inches uh, away from where the, the model was pretty easy bait and switch right there. And the second half of bait and switch is like just is phenomenally easy to get. So like that's a really good tactic. You don't have to do that with the last activation. You can do that at any point during the turn and then just not trigger the echo marker until the end of the last activation. <laughs> you, yeah. you could just have it have it sitting there waiting. And as long as it's not like a uh, corrupted ley line situation where they can do something that prevents their place, you can just wait. Uh, and they know at the end they're just going to be dumped right smack uh, 
near your <laughs> outside of the safe zone and right into a uh, position you'll score on them. Yeah, or something... it's a looming threat that they can't do anything about unless they have uh, generic marker removal. And something I think that's really highlighted by this discussion that's also really worth pointing out, look at how much we're talking about positioning, not killing. You know, that's always, you know, a complaint that people have about war games in general is just, you know, chop, 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 chop. All of this discussion, all this debate has been about how to play her positionally, how to have Lady J bury things, how to have Tara manipulate the table. And I like that we've kind of moved away from that simplistic way and into something that's a little bit deeper when we start talking about positioning. That's a really good point, Herman. And uh, I think that's one of the things that sets Malifaux apart from all other war games is, you know, in M2E and even in sometimes M3E, we'd said, you know, hey, it's not about how many models that you kill. You can still win the game with zero models left on the board and things like that. Well, M3E kind of went a little bit away from that. But I think with a lot of these new uh, keywords that are coming out or um, titles that they're opening up new game styles or at least making things like that more viable where, you know, this Terra she may not be there to kill things. She may just be there to control you. And that's the only thing that she's doing. And uh, I'm okay with that. Like that's not the purpose of the game. The purpose of the game is scoring points and whoever has the most points at the end, whether your crew is there or not is the one that wins. I am simultaneously happy and sad for Tara that she is no longer. Tara one was one of the best scheme runners in the, the keyword, like possibly in the faction. Uh, now she is lacking that, but I'm always kind of just a little bit sad when your your master's big selling point is, oh man, look how good of a I walk to a place and interact they are. So Terra now outsources that interaction with Expedite uh, and to some extent Rewind. Um, it's, it's almost like weird new because yeah. Lady J1, look at how she good at leaping somewhere and dropping a scheme marker. Terra 1, look at how good she is at teleporting somewhere and dropping a scheme marker. Man, I mean, she's really good at teleporting and dropping schemes. She is so good at running schemes. Yeah. So good so, at running schemes. But I, I, I think it's a mark, though, of good design space that I, I think both of these Terras are viable. Like, they're definitely different. You're going to build slightly different crews. Like, in Terra 2, I might hire a Void Hunter, for example, Whereas Terra one, I probably wouldn't ever hire a void hunter. I'd summon them. Um, so like it, it is slightly different. Like the things you're going to do is different. The crew you're going to build is a little bit different, but it, I think they both have their viable options and it's going to be mission dependent or an opponent dependent. And I think that's a good spot to be at. Well, it's funny that you mentioned building a crew with new models. Well, hold on. I, I want to point out something with Expedite here. A lot of the things... I liked your segue there, Herman. Yeah, you we'll ruined the segue. Ruining the segue. Jeez, ruining it. Jeez. Expedite, a lot of the new abilities that have allow people to take a general action or something else, uh, particularly like we've seen it with uh, Nexus, it usually stipulates a non-charge general action. And Expedite does not state that. So when you bring them out, they are more than welcome to charge as their general action and then make a melee attack. So uh, just I wanted to point that out. All right, continue your horrible segue that you started, Ehrman. No, you have to read the card now. It's yeah, okay. I can do that. Um, all right, moving on. The last thing that we're going to reveal is uh, after my very cryptic um, 
magic cube puzzle, uh, magic square puzzle that I put Which, up. What the hell? You literally put the answer in the puzzle. What? You're like, oh, look, these all add up to 33. I didn't say like, that. Let people figure out. What? I didn't say that. All right. But uh, aside from that, that might have been Owen. I don't know. But uh, I didn't say the, model's, the, the model's name is 33, who is an enforcer and both a marshal and obliteration. Uh, and before I continue onward, can we talk about this artwork? I mean, yeah, buddy. Ghost Rider emerging from this the This is my favorite artwork of the three of them. Wait, like, wait till so you have to good. paint all of those chains, which will, of course, come in individual pieces. Yeah, way to ruin the mood, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> no, this artwork is fantastic. And also, it's Outcast, which is super awesome. Um, I'm so, going to guess on fluff super here. Super sad. That once again, we have no knowledge of any of the fluff background, but to me, this looks like somebody that may have been a death marshal that didn't make it out of the coffin when they delved into it and now comes out and does death marshally things from inside this cursed coffin. I'm guessing there were 32 death marshals before him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say like the background is they're a badass. That's all you need to know. It's true. All right. Uh, any more comments before I move to the card? Nope. Go get him, tiger. Right. Yeah. Here we go. But- all right, uh, purple uh, ghost rider. Here we go. Defense five, willpower five, movement six, size two. Uh, default faction is outcast, so Owen can take him with the rest of his crew, and Herman cannot. Uh, they have beyond time, which is shared with a lot of the obliteration crew. They have from nothing, also shared with the obliteration crew. Man, poor Lady Justice. They are incorporeal, which is their uh, main defensive mechanism. Combine that with the slippery added with the. Uh, Explorer Society, where they cannot be targeted, engaged or targeted by melee actions from enemy models uh, unless they are in base contact. And two places at once. Once per activation, after a model is placed within an aura of six, this model may place it anywhere within two inches of its current position, uh, which is just phenomenal considering both of these crews do lots of places. Uh, moving over to the back of the card, you have the, uh, the Traditional pine box of all death marshals uh, that has a stat three against size with a zero inch range. Uh, keep in mind when you're bringing Lady J, she gets a little bit more reach out of that. Uh, it's the, your typical pine box, but it does have a non built in ram trigger torn into the void when re- uh, resolving the target suffers two, three, five damage. So he gets to add some damage in with his pine box. He has the lost peace bringer, which is, uh, I don't think. This is, this is different from the other Peace Bringers because apparently it's been lost. And it has a 12-inch range. It's way, six, it's way better. Uh, Much better. Yeah, it's way better. Uh, resisted by defense. Uh, when the action is declared, uh, this model, meaning 33, may discard a pass token to receive a positive to its duel or damage flip, uh, which pairs nicely with those Terra random pass tokens that she's generating. But the target suffers 2, 3, 5 damage. It has two triggers, Finality, which is undead or buried model only. When resolving, ignore any of the targets hard to kill, hard to wound, or demise abilities. And on a tome, Hole in the World, enemy only. Place the target within six inches of its current location. If you don't know, Hole in the World is an insanely good ability. Super good. And super good. Uh, Lastly, we have his tactical action, the only one that he has. It's a bonus action with a six-inch aura range, stat of five with a crow built in, target number of ten. 
Until the end phase, when an enemy model within range is buried, it must either discard a card, card or gain slow. Uh, both of the triggers that it has are crow, so they are both built in. Decomposition is enemy undead within range, suffer one irreducible damage. And backtrack, which is discard a card, draw two cards from this model's discard pile with a value of seven or less. So the first one, a little bit more geared towards Lady Justice, but the second one, card draw is always good for everybody. So uh, that is 33 in a nutshell. And from having played against 33, uh, I hate this dude. I love this dude. That's a really strong way of saying you love him. Well, it's when you play against him, you don't love him because, God, this dude's annoying. Like, I mentioned this before. It is really annoying to have a model. And previously, every model that had Slippery did not have a ranged attack. And now we have Slippery and a ranged attack. And it is highly agitating where you can be standing literally a centimeter away, but not in base contact. And they just get to shoot, uh, which is frustrating. All they're doing is handing out hugs. It's like, it's not a coffin. It's a basket of puppies. It is. It, no, it's not a basket of puppies. It is a stat three pine box even. So you're above average pine box. Um, and that's great. If you, don't want your opponent to have models on the board. So I will say this guy is delightful for Marshall because you got the movement six and you have incorporeal and you have a keyword that traditionally struggles with movement. That's, that's where they're bringing in. But something to point out with that card draw, there is no Joker requirement on there. You can, uh, you can pull that black Joker into your hand. Yay. Hey, you know what? Gets it out of the deck, stops it from messing you up. That's a great thing. The other thing that I've used it for is actually drawing two aces, like last activation, and then just discarding them to um, help my deck a little bit. It is pretty sweet. Uh, I think it's yeah. pretty pretty awesome for obliteration as well. Um, now, this guy seems to work really well in both, both crews. Uh, Beyond Time now works better for... Uh, for marshals than it would have in the past uh, with Justice 2. Um, and, well, From Nothing doesn't really do much. Uh, like you said, extremely a, a quality scheme runner synergizing with the places. The places happened in uh, all iterations of both Marshall and Obliteration. You have Lady Justice can place for uh, the original. The Unburies are places... Uh, summons from lady justice or from a uh, Terra one or places so you have a lot of different options well i guess the unburies are places because her summons are summon buried um so you have a lot of options to use uh two places at once um both offensively and potentially defensively uh he's going to be really annoying to deal with for like anything with flying you know you get charged by a mature nephilim uh, before it gets to take a swing, uh, he plays you two inches back, and suddenly it can't hit you unless it was in base contact originally. I do want to point out, when you have flight, you have the option of not using flight. Uh, you, it, If I remember correctly, it's a may, so you can walk your movement instead of your flight where you don't place. It's true, but... You know, you have an incorporeal model, so he can just waltz through hazardous or severe terrain uh, such that 
you know, they either fly or they don't get to you. So either they don't get to you or they don't get to you. <laughs> either way, it's a pretty good option. Oh, or so just just to recap uh, a way that this was super gross and well, awesome for me, sad for Jeff in our practice game. So we played Sandeep uh, versus New Terra uh, once we got these cards. And so I also took Eric um, you know, because you know, gravity well is, is annoying because, for opponents. Because places and things. Yeah. Yeah. But I figured, hey, he's going to be trying to jump his fire golems and like nonsense all over the board. So the fun thing is there was a point where he was like, ha ha, I'm going to place this guy outside of Eric's aura. So I'm going to place it over here so I can come fight you. And I was like, cool. Uh, so you place there. And then. I place you two inches away from the place where you placed. So you can't do anything because I push you somewhere else. And he was like, no, shoot. <laughs> so like the uh, the ability to mess with opponents places as well as like this basically says rewind has plus two inches of movement on it. Um, like it, this 33 is really like a level up for the new Terra. I think I think he's going to be an auto take in the new Terra, maybe a little bit less so in base Terra, which is probably good. Like, I don't think you want necessarily an auto take in in either keyword or sorry, either title version. But for new title version, it's like a huge level up. Uh, and that gun, the gun is bananas. Like hole in the, the world, really good. the hole in the world ability is super good. Like move the enemy model six inches. So the other thing, and this, I don't know, this this may be too strong and needs to be toned down, but Slippery, you can't be engaged unless you're in base contact. So far, I believe Slippery has not appeared on any model with a ranged attack, a, a gun attack. And, and and for our readers, Owen was away from his uh, keyboard and his computer when we talked about that earlier. Oh, oh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, you were talking about that? Oh, Burn. We did. Burn. I do, uh, I, but to reiterate uh, this Peacebringer ability, uh, this Peacebringer action, Terra's gaining those pass tokens. And just being able, like, I have been shot by this gun for five damage twice, and taking ten damage to the face is not fun. It's like, and he can do this fairly reliably in the Terra crew. Lady Justice, not as much because she doesn't get those pass tokens that, you know, that are needed to generate it. But, you know, that's the trade-off for the whole finality and all the anti-undead tech that's built into this stuff. But, like, going back to Lady Justice, when we mentioned it earlier, if this guy gets close to you, you have to respect that pine box because now if he buries you, not only are you buried, he also gives you distracted uh, when you're buried. And then Lady Justice is just going to rip into you along with the jury. I'd say my one, now that you bring that up, like one thing just from a like, like it wouldn't make any sense from a flavor perspective. And I do recognize that mechanically it'd be slightly different, but like from a simplicity of rules perspective, I feel like the, you spend a pass token to get plus to the damage or dual would have been better as the, uh, the keyword ability from the key and uh, chi and gong where you, it just is a, a keyword ability that says spend a pass token to get either plus to the dual or plus to the damage just from a rule simplicity standpoint, that would have been cleaner. 
Um, but I do get that they might have wanted it only for this ability. And flavor-wise, it probably wouldn't make any sense to have the, the key oh. and gong one. Them converting pass organs to damage flips would be bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Having one model to do it is, <laughs> is pretty cool. Having an entire keyword to do it, bonkers. Granted, it would be key and I gong, wanna- so... I want to give a shout out here, though, to Weird. I don't know about the rest of the models that are dual uh, keyworded like this, but if they are all similar to this, uh, shout out to Weird and their rules designing and any testers that helped to make this possible because this model, like just looking at 33 alone, where he's useful in both crews that are completely different from one another, and he comes in and elevates the gameplay of both of those crews, not just in uh, the new keywords or the new titles, but also the former uh, original masters. Like That's amazing game design right there, and shout out to all anyone that was involved in that. Yeah, and mic drop. Boom. No, also, <laughs> fuck you, decomposition. That's my standard resurrectionist player uh, diatribe. What, you don't like that uh, he just gets to pulse out one damage to every undead around him? Tactical <laughs> for irreducible damage one, like, who does that? Molly. Like, irreducible damage one? Just, hey, I can see you. Boop. That's not irreducible. She she basically rolls up a newspaper and swats every single model in your opponent's crew on the nose. Only if you do something twice. <laughs> yeah, Owen's sitting there now. He's like, I don't, I don't want to get involved in this, but yeah, Herman's totally correct. But uh, a year and a just not just the decomposition, but a year and a minute when a model is buried uh, that you it has to discard a card or gain slow, like. That's phenomenal for Terra and also great for uh, Lady Justice if you're working on this buried game where he just, like, even himself, like, hey, uh, I'm going to put up a year and a minute and do a whole bunch of damage to uh, any undead that are around. It's only one, but one irreducible. Then I'm going to charge in with this pine box, and if I bury you, uh, I'm going to give you distracted, potentially make you discard a card or gain slow. And if I get my trigger... When I bury you, I get to also do two, three, five damage to you. Like <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, it it is interesting though. Like in the game with Jeff, and I think in most games against non uh, undead, I feel like the year in a minute is going to be mostly just like a bit of a throwaway of like maybe I get to cycle cards, which is good, right? Like, oh, I randomly get this free action where I might get cards back. Uh, is solid. Um, but like against undead, it's just like randomly a hoser. Uh, and the, the berry giving slow thing is potentially really strong. I probably better in honestly in, in lady J where if you're going to go the pine box route, um, I, you do bury things in Terra. I, at least in how I play Terra, offensive berry is less of a thing. Um, I'm mostly, I'm trying to just like kill stuff, but, uh, but it's definitely a cool ability. And it, it, I like that it, it helps you kind of either keyword. Well, what's kind of interesting with lady J there's, there's a couple of things there. Cause you have, she buries a model in the uh, coffin. They come out. You can now place that model. If you take something like the emissary, that's got a two inch reach, 
you can place that model who popped out outside of their melee, but engaged. So you're kind of wasting their time that way. Um, so you have kind of that interaction, but you can also try to build a lady J crew that leverages a lot of hand pressure by comboing in 33 and Grimwell and all the various options of staggered that are available in guild. Pale Rider gives it out. I believe um, Lone Marshall gives it out. The judge gives it out. So once you put a staggered on a model, Grimwell can assassinate the hand. You have 33 to add more pressure on hand and assassination that way. So it's kind of a nice little side game that you can play when you're doing your crew building as well. So on the topic of crew building, uh, I wanted to bring up a point, but coming at it from the opposite direction, rather than building a Terra crew or building a, a Lady Justice crew, um, what happens when you're playing against them now? And you are trying to build a crew to counter uh, either Justice or Terra when you don't know what the version they're going to bring is. I have an answer for this. What you do is you bring Sandeep and Poison Gammon and you explode, explode the Poison Gammon in the middle of the crew and kill everybody. That is... That is very specific. That for is oddly specific. I was hoping is, for something nominally more generalizable. Uh, although, like, so, for the record, wait, wait, sorry. Can we, if we could just touch on that briefly. <laughs> for the oh record, while Jeff did do that to me and it was super gross, and Nerf Sandeep should be our new uh, mantra, uh, 33 has the tool for that job, which is a possible ability. Oh, actually, no, it, you have to be buried to ignore demise. Uh, but you could I could have tried to bury him and then shot him. Uh, you, you just make them undead, so you just played as justice. So I think one of the things as you're looking at these crews and you're trying to decide is even though the play styles change, the keyword does not. So you know if you're going into Lady J, you're going to have to deal with hard to wound. You know you're going to have a fair amount of like Peace Bringer shots, Lone Marshal, things like that. So if you kind of look at focusing down on your strats and schemes for yourself and then kind of the, is there a specific thing you need to counter within them or a stereotype that you can apply to that crew like um, incorporeal on Terra, or you should just any, any Terra just bring something that kills summoning that, like straight up. That was kind of a facile argument of a response. Cause, but let's look at lady justice for a second. Um, the two different versions that you have for Lady Justice 1, you are not really seeing as many death marshals. You're not seeing the death marshal recruiters as much. Uh, you're not seeing, like, leveraging the burying tech. And you also don't have, as you mentioned earlier, the board control aspect. You're not bringing out the terrain. You're not dropping markers everywhere. So the threats that they're bringing are very different. You have... You know, a Lady Justice crew that involves lobbing a a murder engine uh, into your opponent's crew while backing it up with I don't know stuff like Domidors or the Pale Rider or the Lone Marshal. Um, but that's not the kind of threats you would necessarily be expecting to face against a Lady Justice two crew, which will probably be leveraging Pine Box more. It'll be leveraging uh, the the terrain aspect of it. And that, those do seem like mutually exclusive uh, w- things to tech against. 
You're not looking for someone coming into your face. You're looking for them controlling the board and removing you from it just with a regular opposed duel, which is not something that uh, Lady Justice 1 really does very much. So how do you how do you build against Lady Justice crew when you don't know what you're going? If you're maybe you're capable of building something that handles both a whole bunch of blocking terrain, cluttering up your charge lanes and making it difficult for you to actually move across the board in addition to being able to tank justice in the face. But I don't think lots of crews are readily capable of doing that. Well, I mean, any crew with throwaway models can remove the coffins or destructible as well as anything that eats markers, which there's a growing list of things in the game. So what you need to do is kind of track down which, which model kind of covers your marker removal and still synergizes with your crew. Like from the guild perspective, it could be a guild mage. Like let's say I'm going up against Marshall and I'm playing like um, Nelly. You know, I'm going to have these discards. I'm going to be looking to heal myself off the discards. And hey, this guild mage also gets me to remove a marker. And that's something I think Weird has been a little bit careful of with like pianos and coffins is there is a limit to how much can be put out in a turn. And some of these models that are doing it, like the Death Marshals, they're, they're cheapy models. Like they are defense four. They are, you know, fives. They're not like these hardcore elite models. So you kind of look at, you know, what do I need to take to remove these things? Um, go back to like Transmortis is a good example. I know I'm going to have to deal with armor and hard to wound and Transmortis no matter what. So that is, is something I need to plan for. It doesn't matter if I'm playing against Von Stuck or Von Book or Von Crook. You know, it doesn't matter which flavor of it. I have to deal with that specific thing. And then you need to have your plan as well. Sir, it's Von Stuck Stargazer. Yeah, that's what I said. Yep, yep. Uh, look, as much as these models are cool, I'm sorry, but having a zombie as a telescope is by far the coolest thing ever. I, even though I dislike Transmortis, I, I have to agree with Jeff here. It's really hard to disagree with that. <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's. <laughs> I, I bought my wife a telescope for our anniversary like a couple of years ago. And Holy it's really, crap, and it looked just like that? No, it's really annoying because when she wants to use it, I've got to get it. i got to move it to wherever she wants it to be. I've got to set it up and things like that when she wants to use it because I'm a nice husband like that. But... Imagine if there was a zombie that it was attached to. I could just have the zombie move to wherever it needs to be. Like, that is a genius idea by Weird, and we should make this in real life. No. I'm just going to nip that in the bud. <laughs> We're not making zombies for you just to please your wife. <laughs> Speechless. Uh, well, on that note... Yep. Um, does anybody else have... Any interesting things about either the Marshall or Obliteration keyword that we'd like to throw in? I just, I really appreciate how much thought has gone into this, how I feel like there's a lot of very elegant design in all of these models. And you can see it from a perspective of people new to the game, people old to the game, people who are getting a little bit extra out of their keywords, people who are looking for variant play styles, people who are looking to break kind of the rock, paper, scissors, sameness of competitive play. Um, it's just, it feels like there's a lot of thought into this, a lot of efforts going into a very elegant design. And it's something I really, really appreciate coming from this company as a customer. 
Cool. Owen, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm just really excited to, well, A, to see what on earth the model is for this Terra. But more importantly, very excited to see both of these models on the table and see the cool things they're going to unlock in the Outcast faction. And Josh. Man, fuck Lady J. Okay. Well, (laughs) if that's going to be your closing thoughts, I mean... My closing thoughts are actually... Uh, we want to give a shout out to the next content creators in line. Uh, the Defective Dice YouTube channel. Uh, we are looking forward to your guys' uh, awesome reveal that you have, and we are all waited with waiting with bated breath. Please. Yeah, so for those who aren't familiar, uh, Defective Dice has a whole bunch of videos out on YouTube about um, guides to to various masters discussions about the lore of Malifaux. Check it out. Subscribe. Uh, also check out and subscribe to the schemes and stone podcast and to all the other podcast creators. Uh, and just like a general shout out and thank you to weird that like for this go around of releases, reaching out to those of us in the content creator community to do these reveals is it's just super fun and like it's fun for everyone. It's fun for us. It's hopefully fun for you, all the listeners and, uh, and just thank you weird and stay tuned for all the exciting and awesome reveals coming. Uh, because I know there's going to be lots of really cool stuff that y'all are going to be excited about. And make sure you tune into us as we start reviewing some of the things that are coming out and giving our thoughts on some of these other keywords. Uh, our summer breaks are coming to an end, so you're probably going to be hearing a lot more from us. Our deep dives might end up twice as long. Exactly. Oh, not twice as long. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and with that, we would just like to say thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you guys again next time. Later. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Capital City Crew Podcast. We hope you tune in next time.